Today, I'll be talking about our favorite band of misfits with the final heartfelt installment of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Also, some big news, Downton Abbey is currently in development for Season 7. Huge box office opening for the Little Mermaid live-action remake, along with film and TV to watch coming up in June. So, let's get into it! joining me on another episode of Film Folly, where we take a deeper dive into movies by talking about memorable scenes and themes within a film. I like to explore the emotional journey we take when watching movies and have meaningful conversation. Also, there's lots of entertainment news about your favorite shows and films to keep you informed with what's going on in Hollywood. To participate in the show, send me a voice memo or email to filmfollypodcast at gmail.com and I'll feature you in an episode. You can also leave your thoughts on whatever movie I'm covering on Facebook and Instagram at filmfollypodcast or on Twitter at filmfollypod. And another special thank you to the listeners. I am a little late putting this episode out, so I really appreciate your patience. I was on vacation, so <laughs> I was uh, doing some relaxation, some hiking, some outdoorsiness, um, also with a little bit of balance of uh, delicious food and shopping. So <laughs> it was a great time. I went with my sister. It was fantastic. But I'm back to it this week, and as mentioned in the prior episode, this week it's all about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So, just a little reminder, since this is relatively a new podcast, I still want to give the reminder at the top that if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 yet, this episode contains lots of spoilers. So, be forewarned. There will be spoilers in this episode, so um, be prepared. <laughs> I'm hoping you've already seen the film. So I'm going to continue with a little synopsis just to give your brain a reminder. And uh, then I'm going to jump into some themes and aspects of the film that I wanted to touch on and get some uh, conversation about. And again, feel free to participate in whatever thoughts you have about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm going to be doing a social media post for this episode, and it'd be great if you guys commented, and I can include that in the next episode, and we'll see what everyone else has to say as well. So, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 follows our beloved band of misfits who are looking a little bit different these days. 
Peter Quill is still reeling from the loss of Gamora, who passed away in Avengers Infinity War, but is now left with a different version of Gamora we see in Volume 3. The Gamora we see now is from a different universe, back in time prior to the Guardians. Therefore, the experiences that made her the compassionate and caring Gamora, who we all fell in love with from the previous films, is no more. And this version of Gamora is a colder, angrier, and a more ruthless person than we've previously known. With this new version of Gamora, Peter desperately tries to find the Gamora he once knew and win her over again. Through all this, Peter also must rally his team to defend the universe from the high evolutionary, a maniac who believes he can create a perfect race of people, but in doing so, murder, mayhem, and chaos ensue, and the Guardians must battle to save the people and planets in the high evolutionary's path along with protecting one of their own. Rocket has been secretive of his past in the previous films, but we now get the heart-wrenching and brutal details of Rocket's past and how they intertwine with the high evolutionary. The journey leads us on a roller coaster of emotions that bring us even closer to these beloved characters, and they show us the true power of friendship and love. So the first aspects of the film I wanted to kind of touch on is Rocket. And we get his origin stories in this film. Previously, we really didn't know too much about him. And he was kind of secretive and wouldn't really say too much about, you know, where he comes from. Or even if he was a raccoon or not. You know, people have called him all kinds of names about what he is, if he's a raccoon or if he's something different. But we learn that he is actually a lab animal and he is a lab animal for the high evolutionary who is obsessed with creating the perfect society in the most brutal way possible. And he does all these experiments on a number of creatures in his possession and Rocket befriends his cage mates. He's in a cage most of the time with these other animals and they become very, very good friends. And despite having really cruel experiments um, done on them, they still find happiness with the friendship that they have between each other. And it's really sweet to see and just it really pulls at the heartstrings and you really kind of sympathize with Rocket and where he's come from and what he's had to endure. Um, eventually, with the experiments that are being done on Rocket, he his brain and his mind, he surpasses his master in a way, I guess you could say, because he's able to figure out things that even the high evolutionary isn't able to figure out. And so the high evolutionary decides to um, take his brain, which would inevitably kill Rocket. And so him and his friends try to escape. And that in itself, it's really sad. And, and you know, just them so desperately trying to um, help each other escape. It's uh, it's sad. He ends up getting away, but only after his friends end up passing away. And you know, him and his friends had always talked about going out in space and and um, 
seeing the sky and because they've never seen the sky before and they want to be a part of it and and they wanted to fly away into the sky together and oh gosh it's just stuff that pulls at your heart it it really is so that aspect of the film is probably the saddest and uh, I of course haven't gone through all the details uh, of it but that's just a little recap and yeah, so it's a, it's a really interesting backstory for Rocket, and his past comes back to haunt him with the High Evolutionary. You know, Rocket escaped, and the High Evolutionary has been trying to find him and because he wants his brain. <laughs> he wants the, the details of the inner workings of his brain because he knows that Rocket has a, an incredible mind. The high evolutionary hasn't been able to recreate it in his experiments. So Rocket is unique. And again, as I mentioned, his past comes back to haunt him. And Rocket is kidnapped. And that is where we see Peter and the rest of the Guardians come into play to try and rescue him. Um, You really see how they rally together because they love their friends so much and they do anything and everything they can. Um, Rocket ends up becoming really, really brutally injured. The High Evolutionary doesn't actually kidnap uh, Rocket, but Rocket is brutally injured and they need something from the High Evolutionary in order to repair Rocket and save his life. Uh, medically otherwise he's going to die and so that is what um, stirs the guardians to rally for their friend and proceed on to this epic journey of tracking down the high evolutionary and and getting what they need in order to save rocket the next theme and aspects of the film I wanted to talk about so along with the whole saga with Rocket and his backstory and the Guardians trying to save him. The Peter and Gamora story is really interesting here. And I kind of wanted to elaborate a little bit more on it. Um, Peter has to come to terms with letting go of Gamora rather than trying to recreate something he never shared with this version of Gamora which I find really, really interesting. We see a lot of uh, funny aspects of the film where he's trying to do things to inspire her to like him more and uh, trying to uh, win her over. And so that's always really hilarious, uh, you know, all the little aspects he tries to do. But Peter finds the ability to accept this, that Gamora is, is not the Gamora he once knew. She's different. She doesn't have all the aspects of the the Gamora that he did know and fall in love with because it's a different version of her. So the ability to accept this leads directly to Peter finally having the capacity to confront an even deeper aspect of his past. The death of his mother and the fact he has a grandfather back on Earth who he hasn't tried to see in many, many years. One of my constructive criticisms is that I was a little confused with the grandfather aspect of the storyline with Peter. 
I wish there was some way the audience could have been given a little bit of a reminder about the role the grandfather played in Peter's life because I kind of forgot, quite honestly. So I know that we did see the grandfather in volume two of Guardians of the Galaxy, but he wasn't such a big, huge aspect of the film that it was really... It really wasn't at the forefront of my memory. But overall, the aspect of Peter eventually returning to Earth to be reunited with his grandfather is a meaningful moment in the film and really sweet. And we kind of see Peter moving on with his life. And he's only able to do that because of the journey he has had with the Guardians of the Galaxy and his time away from Earth has really shaped him to be able to accept his past and move forward. And going back to Earth, being reunited with his grandfather is that first step in really doing things for himself and moving on. So the next little aspect of the film, and this is a really quick one, is that our favorite tree (laughs) of all trees, Groot, finally says something different than his typical I am Groot, which, you know, as I'm in the theater, I watched this in the theater opening weekend, and once Groot says something rather than I am Groot, the whole theater just like... (gasps) gasps and they're just like oh my gosh so that was really a really fun moment to experience in a theater because everyone was in the same boat and we were all just shocked and in awe that Groot said something other than I am Groot (laughs) so uh here again the spoiler Groot finally says as he's hugging his team and Rocket is alive and they're all okay. He hugs them all in a group hug and says, I love you guys. And I thought that was, if Groot's going to say anything, then I am Groot. That's the perfect line to say. It's so touching. And I think Groot really has this kind of innocence to the character where he just purely and completely is with Rocket and all of the Guardians. They are his family. He does anything and everything for them and and the good of the galaxy. And, you know, he's especially when he was baby Groot, he was just so cute and mischievous even. Uh, he provides a lot of comic relief for the film. Uh, I mean, they're... Peter also provides a lot of comic relief, but it's nice to have several different characters that can provide comic relief rather than just one. So I feel like every character in Guardians of the Galaxy kind of provides some kind of fun comical relief. Obviously Drax does, Mantis, every, everyone has some something to contribute when it comes to comical relief. And I think that is what really makes it fun. Now, the next themes I want to explore is with the character of the High Evolutionary. And he is trying to curate the perfect race. And the film explores what happens when you sacrifice 
all morality and ethics in pursuit of perfection that will never be attained. Maybe the idea of society lies in its imperfections, I feel like. Is that kind of not the yin and yang of life and the universe? I feel like we see this in Guardians of the Galaxy and the community they have created. They themselves are a band of misfits, imperfect people who have learned to be better. Compassion, kindness, and love are often what redeems to inspire us all to strive for better within ourselves because only then will we leave a better mark on this world. And I feel like that is on par with what the Guardians of the Galaxy have represented over the years. I'm sad to see that this is the end, but happy with how it ends up concluding for the Guardians. And let me know what you guys think about those aspects of the film. The the ideas of a perfect society that the high evolutionary has. It's very interesting to me. I can almost kind of compare it to certain extreme aspects of religion in a way. And I know this might be a little bit of a stretch. And obviously this is just my own opinion. But, you know, they have these ideas of... What is an ideal way to act, be, or exist in the world? And there's a lot of control with that. And the high, that's what the high evolutionary really, he's a control freak. He wants everything to be in what, in his mind, is perfect. But there is no such thing as perfect. The beauty is in the perfections, and I feel like that's what life is is about, is about the journey you take through life, life's imperfections, while also trying to learn from them, grow from them, and leave a, a better mark on the world than maybe what it was before. So yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting villain, and... I really loved the creativity that James Gunn had in creating him. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of aspects of society. And yeah, so, you know, it's really interesting to me. I'd love to get your guys' opinion and see what you think about it as well. Maybe elaborate on your points a little bit more, and I'd love to share them. But this is the last Guardians of the Galaxy uh, at least the last Guardians of the Galaxy that James Gunn plans on on doing. And I learned some juicy details. And <laughs> apparently there was a second post-credit scene showing Peter's domesticated life on Earth with his grandfather. And at the end, there's a message stating quote, unquote, the legendary Star-Lord will return. I had no idea there was a second post-credit until today when I was doing some research for this episode of the podcast. Uh, It is well known that James Gunn, as I mentioned already, is done with the Guardians of the Galaxy, but the second post-credit suggests that we'll be seeing Peter aka Star-Lord, again, most likely with a different writer and director, but it'll be interesting to see if Peter is a returning character in other MCU films 
or if there's going to be a Star-Lord spinoff from the Guardians of the Galaxy series. And we just see Star-Lord himself go off on adventures and things of that nature. Uh, Again, I'm curious to see what you guys think. So let me know through the podcast socials or email. And I love to get a discussion going with this because I feel like there's all kinds of ideas that can, and spinoffs that can happen from the Guardians of the Galaxy, honestly. And yeah, I hope you guys really enjoyed the film. I really, really loved it. I will say um, on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it an 82%, and uh, regular audiences gave it a 94%. And I'm I'm on par with the audiences here. I think it definitely deserves a, in the 90s, uh, I would say probably low 90s as they have here. I would definitely recommend it to people, family. Um, it is a tier jerker I you know you get choked up when you watch it because of some of the really heartwarming and also some of the sad scenes with with the characters as well it really pulls at your heartstrings there was an interview with Bradley Cooper uh, for the premiere of Guardians of the Galaxy volume three and he was talking with a media outlet briefly for a very quick interview and they were asking him about it and he was talking about how he bawled watching the the film so even though it was sad in a lot of ways it was very heartwarming and there was a good balance I feel like and to move on I do have a new little segment I think I might incorporate uh, moving forward let me know what you think I wanted to give some upcoming film premieres and TV premieres that's going to be coming this month in June. And as of this recording, there's a couple uh, things I'm going to mention here. This recording will probably be posted after a couple of these dates, but it's good to know because just in case you didn't know they were coming out, I want you to be aware of. So this by no means is a comprehensive list. There, these are just some films and TV shows that I thought, you know, a broad range of people might enjoy and that tend to be pretty popular. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, this one's highly anticipated. In theaters, June 2nd is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I know the first one was a big hit. I really loved it. And it's going to be coming out in theaters first. And then I believe it will eventually be posted on Netflix. I wasn't able to find the date for that. But June 2nd, see it in the theaters. Out June 16th on Netflix is Extraction 2. So this has Chris Hemsworth in it being a badass. So... (laughs) Um, I enjoyed the first movie. I did have my criticisms of the first movie, but I I enjoyed watching it. I felt like the storyline needed to be pumped up a little bit in the first one to really kind of get me hooked and invested in the characters. So I just needed a little bit more character development and a little bit more storyline. But honestly, the action scenes were so well done and... um, it really does pull you in. So I enjoyed the the first extraction. 
Um, I will be watching uh, Extraction 2 at some point, uh, but that will be out on June 16th on Netflix. And in theaters June 16th, The Flash comes out. So this movie, The Flash, is going to reset the DC universe. And not only that, but it is going to be bringing back some oldies, but goodies, and maybe the besties, honestly. We have Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. Ah, one of my favorite Batmans. Pretty much, probably my most favorite Batman, quite honestly. (laughs) I love Michael Keaton as Batman, and I absolutely loved Batman Returns. Probably one of my favorites, aside from Dark Knight. I think Dark Knight and Batman Returns are my two favorites. I loved Tim Burton as the director and creator of Batman Returns. So, I am looking forward to The Flash, even if it is just to see... (laughs) Even if it is just to see Michael Keaton back as Batman, I think that is just going to make my day, quite honestly. (laughs) So that is in theaters, June 16th, The Flash. And next up in theaters on June 23rd is Asteroid City. So this is one that kind of caught me by surprise. I have a feeling the critics are really going to like this one. It looks kind of like a satire and it a quick little snippet here says world-changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention in an american desert town circa 1955 and it has scarlett johansson in it it has tom hanks uh, who else do we have? Oh, Margot Robbie, Jason Schwartzman, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Jeffrey Wright, Brian Cranston, Steve Carell, Rupert Freind, Matt Dillon. So many, I mean, Jeff Goldblum. I mean, everyone is in this. Everyone is in this film. Fisher Stevens, Lee Schreiber. Yeah, the list goes on. On and on. So, uh, oh, yeah, Willem Dafoe, Tilda Swinton. Yeah, I, I mean, who isn't in this film? So it, it'll be interesting. I feel like it's going to be kind of like a an artsy kind of film that the critics will probably really enjoy. I'm curious to see how audience is going to react to it. I'm very intrigued by it. I'm always interested in something different, um, something creative. So... Yeah, uh, if you're into creativity and things that are a little bit more different and this Asteroid City looks like that, it's going to be right up your alley. And it's in theaters June 23rd. Next up in June is No Hard Feelings out June 23rd. And that has Jennifer Lawrence in it and several other familiar faces. We have Matthew Broderick, Natalie Morales, Hassan Minhaj, Evan Moss Bacharach, and several others. But uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting. So it's supposed to be a comedy. And the trailer is out now. I've seen it. And I, I'm, I'm curious how people are going to react to it. I don't really have 
too much of an opinion on it really so far. I don't know. I might wait a little bit to see what everyone's reactions are, <laughs> quite honestly, because I don't know what to think of it. I do really love Jennifer Lawrence, so, and I love comedies, so why not? Why not see it? And last but not least for June films is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny out in theaters June 30th. I mean, I can't wait for it. I hope they do this last one justice. It's quite well known that this is going to be the last Indiana Jones. You know, unless they restart the entire series and recast Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones, then uh, then maybe. But I've heard that this is the last one. Not only that, but I've I've heard rumors that Harrison Ford doesn't want anyone else to play Indiana Jones. So it'd be interesting. I don't know how much power he has with that, but... I'm very excited for this last one. I really, really, really hope that they did a good job with this last one because oh, I, I grew up watching Indiana Jones as a little kid over and over again. Yeah, it's it's it has a lot of um, nostalgia for me. So Harrison Ford, obviously, as Indiana Jones. Mads McKelson is, I believe, the villain in this. I love him. He is such a fantastic actor. He was in the show Hannibal. He's been in, in so many movies as a villain. He does an amazing job every time. And I feel like not every villain he does is the same. Like, he brings something unique to each of his characters every single time, even if he is playing a villain, which he tends to be typecast as a lot of the time. But I hear that actors really like to play villains because they tend to be pretty layered and they enjoy that. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited that he's the villain. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in it. Uh, Antonio Banderas. Boyd Hallbrook, Seanette Renee Wilson is also in it. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great. I hope it's as epic and fantastic as I have it in my head. I might be playing it up too much. Maybe I'm getting myself overhyped, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So moving on to upcoming TV premieres in June is uh, Cruel Summer is the first one I have on the list here. I have actually not seen this, but there have been a number of people out there who really love it. So I wanted to mention this to you guys so you're aware. Season 2 of Cruel Summer is out June 5th on Freeform. Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2 premieres June 15th on Paramount+. Plus. Outlander Season 7 is out June 16th on Stars. I'm particularly really interested in this one because I love the show Outlander. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Uh, Never Have I Ever, season four, is out June 8th on Netflix. So that will be really interesting. Super cute show. I've seen, I think I've seen season one and two but I'm a couple seasons behind, shamefully. I'm so sorry. Mindy Kaling, please, 
Please don't hate me. Uh, but I love the show. It is great. It's so cute. I love the drama of the high school life and everything that this gal goes through with her dad passing away and just, you know, everything you have to go through through teenage life. And then on top of that, she's struggling with the passing of her father and that's not really giving anything away. It's pretty clear at the top of the series that the father has tragically and suddenly passed away and and she's trying to get through her teenage years of high school and and uh boys and yeah it's a great show i love it uh moving on to the show endeavor which is going to have its premiere season nine out june 18th on pbs now this is a very long running show and it has quite high reviews from both uh, critics and audiences, and I have not seen it, but I believe it is a investigative kind of British procedural, and I think lots of people are definitely really into it. I mean, obviously, they wouldn't be coming out with a season nine if it wasn't a great show, so uh, yes, you Endeavor fans, season nine is out June 18th. One of my personal favorites that's coming out for season two being released on June 22nd is The Bear. Out on Hulu, as I mentioned, June 22nd. So I've been waiting for, eagerly waiting season two. I spent many, 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 many years in the service industry and I felt like I was really being seen. I'm not a chef or anything like that, but uh, uh, server, hostess, front of the house kind of stuff while also doing back of the house. I, I used to work for a hotel, a Hilton hotel in particular, and I also did room service, which uh, that's always an interesting journey. Um, yeah, room service. What do I say about that? <laughs> People opening the door to receive their food in nothing but their underwear. That's happened multiple times to me. So (laughs) please, please have clothes on when you accept your, or at least a robe that's tightly fastened. There was one older man who had his tidy whities on and just an open robe (laughs) who I was bringing his room service to. And, you know, the protocol is for me to go into the room and set the meal down on, you know, their table in there. So I had to go into this creepy guy's room and, uh, yeah, make sure he had his food. And I was out of there pretty quick, though. So, yeah, real weird. But anyways, so the bear loved this show. Season one, loved, loved, loved it. Um, Season two premieres June 22nd on Hulu. Uh, Next show I have here is And Just Like That. Season 2 is being released on June 22nd on Max. Formerly HBO Max. Now just called Max. (laughs) But yeah, it's the Sex and the City continuation series, I guess is what you can describe it as. Um, But they renamed it to And Just Like That. 
So season two, season one was pretty successful. So they have uh, season two being released June 22nd on Max. And my other favorite of the list, I know I have said that. There's a few favorites on this list, honestly. But my uh, last but not least favorite is The Witcher. Season three, volume one is out on Netflix, June 29th. Volume two will be out in July, but um, I'll just let you know for now. Volume one is out June 29th. And this is the last season that Henry Cavill will be Geralt of Rivia. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really deeply, deeply sad that Henry Cavill is not going to be continuing his character as Geralt of Rivia. But tune in for his last season. So I hope you enjoyed that and you have a good idea of what's coming up in June. Um, As of the posting of this episode, there might be a couple things that have already been released, but um, I'm going to try and make sure this is out here very shortly so you don't miss out on anything. Yeah, let me know what you think of you start any of these series which one's your favorite one which ones that i mentioned here maybe you don't like what are the reasons why you don't like them do tell (laughs) but yeah anyway so uh yeah tune into those and let me know what you think and now it's time for hollywood news really exciting things to talk about as far as Hollywood news and films that are going to be coming out, TV shows. I'm just really excited uh, about a couple of these in particular. The first one being, after years of speculation that Tim Burton's beloved 1988 comedy Beetlejuice will get a sequel, it seems it will finally happen. Woohoo! <laughs> Warner Brothers announces that Beetlejuice 2 will be released on the big screen on September 6, 2024. Although the information on the project is scarce, Variety did have a few more details about the cast, with Tim Burton as the director, Michael Keaton will reprise his role as the troublemaking poltergeist spirit Beetlejuice, Monona Ryder will return as Lydia Dietz, And according to The Hollywood Reporter, Catherine O'Hara will reprise her role as Lydia's mother, Delia Dietz. Justin Thoreau, Monica Bellucci, and Willem Dafoe are reported to be among the newcomers. While plot details are kept secret, The Hollywood Reporter states Willem Dafoe is playing a law enforcement officer in the afterlife. In addition, Jenna Ortega will join the cast as Lydia's daughter. Filming for the movie began May 10th in London, and so far there's no word yet if Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are returning as the lovable yet naive ghosts Adam and Barbara. Some box office news. The Little Mermaid swims to... million Memorial Day debut. This is from The Hollywood Reporter. 
Disney's live-action remake starring Halle Bailey as Ariel is headed for the holiday weekend's fifth biggest opening of all time. The Little Mermaid is swimming laps around the competition at the Memorial Day weekend box office. Disney's live-action remake of the iconic animated film is headed for an estimated four-day domestic debut of $118.6 million, the holiday's fifth biggest opening of all time, according to the final weekend actuals. So that's really exciting news and really great to hear. Uh, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've heard really great things about Halle Bailey playing Ariel, and she has a beautiful voice. And also, Melissa McCarthy plays Ursula, so, I mean, you can't go wrong. I haven't seen it yet, as I mentioned, but it's on It's on the docket. <laughs> I have so much to see, but I will eventually see that one. So let me know what you guys think. Um, there's also, you know, several other people in it, but notably Simone Ashley, who's in Bridgerton, uh, season two, She's also in it as well. So uh, I love it. I I can't wait to see it. I've heard from friends that it's really great. Um, So yeah, that was the big news for the box office for Memorial Day weekend. And the last news I have for today uh, is some pretty big news. Downton Abbey reportedly poised to return for a seventh season. I'm sure this is very exciting for the Downton Abbey fans out there. I know I am excited. I'm a huge Downton Abbey fan. I love the movies that have come out. I love the show. Recently, I was watching a lot of comfort things. Just, I don't know, I felt like I needed a lot more comfort in my life at the time. And I rewatched the whole entire Downton Abbey series, including the two films after and man, even a second time around seeing everything all over again, it's still so good. And I, <laughs> and I was so sad when it was over. It was just, uh, yeah, but, uh, Downton. So I'm really excited about this. I, you know, maybe some people aren't, they don't necessarily like period dramas, but I love period dramas. Uh, this one takes place in, um, well, The beginning of Downton Abbey, I believe, starts in 1912, during the time the Titanic sank. And then it goes all the way into the early 1920s. And I'm assuming then, uh, well, we can only assume at this point, there's really not a lot of details about the seventh season. So uh, what we have here, and this is being reported by a British news outlet called Independent. And they say here, Downton Abbey fans could have cause for celebration as new rumors of a comeback have emerged. The hit historical drama series began in 2010 and aired six series before its conclusion in 2015. As well as this, the show has been expanded into two featured films, the most recent of which was released in 2022. Though the story of the people of the Crowley estate has not continued in an episodic format for eight years, Reports have claimed that Downton Abbey's production company is currently casting for a new TV installment. According to a source speaking to Mail Online, 
producers are hoping to welcome back significant stars of the show, including Hugh Bonneville, Michelle Dockery, and Elizabeth McGovern. Quote, there is a plan which is in development and there is a lot of excitement about it. End quote. The source told the publication. Quote, there is a casting taking place and it would be great if all of the big stars can return. People love Downton. It became a British institution and it has been much missed since it left our screens. The source added that there is a huge excitement surrounding the project in this early stage. It was a Sunday night favorite and got huge reviews. Quote, it was a Sunday night favorite and got huge viewing figures. There has been very little to compete with it ever since it ended. End quote. So that's pretty much all we know so far. Obviously very, very, very early days, but it looks as though we're going to get a seventh season eventually. It's, again, very early days, but I'm excited. I can't wait. It's gonna be fantastic. It's been a packed episode this week, and for now, I'll come to a close. I'd like to sincerely thank you all very much for listening. If you'd be so kind as to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, that would really, really help me reach more people. I'm an independent podcaster, and your support means so, so much to me. If you leave a written review, I'll give you a shout out on the show. So please leave a review. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Film Folly Podcast or on Twitter at Film Folly Pod. If you prefer contacting me by email, feel free to do so at filmfollypodcast at gmail.com. For the feature film next week, I went for a wild ride in the theaters and saw Fast X on vacation. It's filled with action-packed adventure with lots of surprises, so get out and enjoy that in the theaters. And I will leave you for now, my friends. Thank you so much and take care.